What's up to all my future real estate moguls out there? Mike Mills of Mike Mills Mortgage and Finance here. Ever wondered how you can tap into the lucrative world of multifamily commercial real estate, but don't think you have enough money to start? You see, the value of real estate has done nothing but go up since this little blue marble formed around the sun billions of years ago. And guess what? Regardless of what's happening in the market today, it'll continue to go up until the planet stops spinning. And right now, multifamily commercial real estate is where all the investment and the development is happening. So if you want to make money as an investor, it's a good place to start. And nowadays, you don't even need hundreds of thousands of dollars to get into the game. You can start with as little as a hundred bucks. And my next guest is going to tell us how. Joining me will be Joe Pizzurro. Joe is a commercial real estate investor who's a local pioneer in real estate fractionalization. Don't know what that is? Well, all I can tell you now is it isn't a get-rich-quick scheme. It isn't very well known. But what it is, is a new method of investing in real estate at a low cost, low risk, with potential long-term high rewards. And investors looking for the next big thing in real estate that get on this train and learn how to to do it before everyone else will be the guys they write books about in the next 30 years. So take the first step with me and learn a little bit more about the next generation of real estate wealth. If you want to be a real estate investor and need a place to start, grab a pencil and paper because your education starts now. Hello, hello, everybody. Um, so I want you to try and imagine a world where the vast, seemingly inaccessible realm of commercial real estate is unlocked for everyday investors. Just like Robinhood opened the world of stock trading to, new, to a new generation of investors there, what if you could be a part of a massive multifamily property with just a fraction of the traditional investment costs? How you might ask? Well, stay tuned. By the end of this episode, we're going to explain to you how the revolutionary method that's reshaping the world of real estate investment is available to you. Now, welcome back. This is the Texas Real Estate and Finance Podcast, and I'm your host, Mike Mills. And each week, we offer a deep dive into the transformative world of real estate, providing unmatched insights, strategies, and expert perspectives that can help turn your ambitions into tangible assets. If you're passionate about understanding the ever-involving dynamics of the property market, you're in the right place. So before we get into today's topic, a quick reminder for all of our listeners, if you find this, if you find value in our discussions, don't forget to hit that subscribe button on your podcast platform or check out our YouTube channel at Mike Mills Mortgage and Finance for more content. Sus subscribing ensures you never miss out on the expert insights we bring you every single week. And today we have a special treat for all of you. Joining us is Joe Pizzurro. Joe is a trailbla trailblazing commercial real estate investor leading the charge in the world of real estate fractionalization. As we dive into, into this groundbreaking approach to property investment, you'll soon see why Joe is making waves in the industry. So let's get rolling here. Hello, Joe. How you doing, sir? Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me. You got it, buddy. I like got, your shirt. Uh, clapping and cheering for you all the way around. Everybody's excited. So, <laughs> um, well, man, I appreciate you coming on today and, and kind of getting into this topic with me a little bit. Um, you know, blockchain technology, fractionalization, all this kind of stuff is personally, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a very interesting, uh, topic for myself because I'm very, um, uh, bullish, I guess you could say on where all of this technology is headed over the next five to 10 years and being in the, you know, real estate industry, I know that there are segments of this that are impacting us on a day-to-day -day basis that are going to become more and more prevalent as we kind of move forward. So, but before we get into all the fractionalization and how that works, um, I want you to kind of tell everybody a little bit about, you know, where you started, kind of how you got into multifamily investing and, you know, give a little bit of, you know, like you're talking to a six-year-old on how multifamily investing works. And then we'll kind of dive into the fractionalization part after that. So tell us a little bit about how you got to where you're at right now. 
Yeah, sure. So uh, I started out, uh, so I had no experience in real estate uh, except for I, I had bought my house. That was all. That was all. <laughs> that was your total total introduction to it, huh? Yeah. And uh, so I, you know, I wanted to start investing in in real estate. So I thought about single family rentals or things like that. And I just went straight into multifamily. Um, I think th what got me there is the valuation um, for commercial real estate. Uh, basically, you you're not dependent totally on the market. Right. You know, house houses are valued on comps. So you're you're totally dependent on the market for for single family. But with multifamily, you have some control. You know, you can get in there, uh, reduce expenses, increase revenue somehow. And, and if you manage it properly, you can really force the appreciation in a, in a short amount of time. And so uh, I started out just in, as an investor, uh, you know, limited partner, putting some money in deals. And then got to where now I'm a, a general partner, um, actually managing uh, assets. And so I've got about 40 million assets under management currently, um, uh, close to about 3,000 units, uh, multifamily and self-storage. So the the commercial market then, and this is something you know a lot of individual investors that do um, uh, residential real estate don't understand fully. I didn't understand until you know looking into it some. But the value of the property is based on the revenues. It's not based on the actual property value that would be compared to other other similar properties in the area, like it is with residential, because it is a business, you know, revenue generating right. property. The value of that property is going to be determined by how much income it can generate, right? Yeah, you know, they'll usually take the trailing twelve months financial statement and uh, the net operating income over the past twelve months, and they'll divide that by the cap rate and the current market. And that's usually, you know, where it trades out. Um, so if you can increase that NOI, uh, it, no matter if the cap rate stays the same or changes, you you could actually uh, increase value. So I hear the term cap rate a lot. Can you help me understand what 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 is a cap rate? What does that mean exactly? It's just it's just the capitalization rate. So essentially, uh, you know, the money you're making on your investment. Um, so if you're buying something high, a high price your the cap rate is low at okay. first and as you start increasing that noi that cap rate will increase um so it, you know we're at around the dfw market right now you know we're for a c-class asset that's what i've been looking at you know kind of b and c older assets we're you know trading around five five and a half cap right now okay DFW. so it's kind of the um it's the uh would you say it's kind of like the opportunity of profit essentially like how much you that's could make what's yeah. that that's one way of saying it okay okay so it kind of gives you a little bit of a idea on how much could be made based off of the rest of the market on that particular property correct okay okay i understand that um now why multifamily specifically because there's all kinds of commercial real estate out there obviously you have and i think you mentioned you have some storage but you have office buildings you have warehouses you have storage you have uh, rv parks like we talked about earlier too um and but so why did you choose to mostly uh specify in multifamily well and and it's multifamily specifically in dfw market um people are moving here there's a lot of population growth there's a lot of job growth Yep. Um, there's a lot of need for housing. Um, and recently, uh, 
housing is is not affordable for a, a lot of uh, folks. So tell me about it, man. Tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> As you know, right? Yes, yes. Um, very aware, very aware. So it, it's kind of creating the uh, the demand for for apartments. Yes. Um, and uh, so what? So they're they're trying to build more apartments, but what they're building are are newer assets. Um, so the, the C class is there's no they're not increasing, uh, you know, over time they will, of course. But, um, you know, folks that can afford a, a C class, they're, you know, they're they're all they're, they're full right now. Right. Um, so that that's it's kind of a, what drove me is, you know, DFW multifamily, um, I feel like is a safe investment uh, for real estate right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you do prior to getting into real estate? Investing. So I've been in uh, project management, uh, IT consulting for my career. Um, yeah. That's how I got into uh, blockchain. Okay. Um, so that, and that's that's how I kind of uh, combined the two. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, I always like to learn new technologies, and um, I uh, experimented a little. Got got a, a online degree from MIT in blockchain. Oh wow! Okay. And. Uh, how, how, okay, so I'm curious about that because I've actually I'm so fascinated by the subject. I actually have looked that up a couple times and saw that. What? How was that? How did you? Uh, how was that? What was that experience like? Uh, it was pretty cool. We, we I think it was like a six to eight week course, um, and you you kind of simulate the creation of your own cryptocurrency. Okay. Um, and so I, I after doing that course, I went and actually did create my own. Uh, cryptocurrency um okay. on polygon all right and uh it, it's actually live on polygon but we haven't rolled it out yet because we're what we're trying to do with it is have it become a real estate backed crypto um backed by tokenized real estate right um so and once we get that tokenization feature uh i think that that gives it its legs right that gives it its value and, and right. what's held to yep because i think in in this market in this in this crypto market um you're not going to find much confidence in much of anything else right now. No, um, no, it's it <laughs> these days, especially with all the uh, all the litigation and all the uh, people going under for being, uh, you know, a little little shady in their practices. Um, which, by the way, you know, this is one of the things I talked with Lee about, um, and and I actually had another uh, a couple of folks on a few weeks back about you know crypto and the blockchain world gets a bad rep right now because there has been a lot of you know. Uh, bad actors, let's call them, that have been doing some some not so uh, you know righteous things. Um, but uh, if you look across the world of finance in general, <laughs> over the history of it, you know whether it's fiat currency or whether it's you know crypto, there's always bad actors. There's always people doing um, Ponzi schemes and you know the Bernie Madoffs of the world. So I mean, it's it it happens in all walks of life. It's just unfortunate because this is still a relatively new technology as far as the general public is concerned you know i know the the blockchain's been around since 2008 is when bitcoin was started i think 2009 yeah, yeah something like that so you know it's not brand new but just the mainstream adopt the mainstream adoption of it is something that's you know that we're kind of in that phase of trying to get everybody to understand exactly how it all works so um since you said brought up the fractionalization part let's go ahead and go there so for anybody that doesn't understand, um, explain to the listeners kind of what fractionalization is, how it works, um, and you know, just kind of the nuts and bolts of when you take a property, how you can actually fractionalize it and then sell it uh, to smaller level investors. 
Yeah. So, uh, so basically it's, it's just taking, and there's, there's different ways. That, so I can, I can talk a little bit about what we're actually going to start doing, but um, you can take actually a, a piece of land or real estate and uh, tokenize it or fractionalize it, um, which is representing it on the blockchain. Mm -hmm. So there are companies out there already starting to do this, uh, working with the counties, working with title companies um, to actually get, you know, um, things on the blockchain because um, what already putting deeds on the blockchain putting deeds on the blockchain really? okay. I, 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 that's not what i'm doing but yeah. but that's out there and and even you know uh there's there's lenders that are starting to use blockchain yep. um there's you know supposedly the the time to close could be cut down potentially from 30 days to one day uh, because things are automated you know it cuts out the middleman you wouldn't need like a loan processor. Everything's already on blockchain. It can be automatically pulled all the all the information uh, via AI. So you're not having to go out there and uh, do the verification process, right? It all happens in in seconds. Right. Um, so that's that's a thing that I don't know how long it'll take to eventually start becoming mainstream, but what we're doing so one of my general partners in the multifamily space has a tokenization software so what we do um right now is we raise capital from investors through a syndicate uh to purchase uh, assets um so there you know we have limited partners that uh invest and become a shareholder in a, in a company so to speak we create a, a company that that's owns the syndicate right Right. Right. Um, well, so, people who are syndicate, they're like, wait a minute, what, 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 kind, of, right. what kind of stuff yeah. are you into there? <laughs> so, so what we're going to do is start tokenizing the equity of the syndicate so that the difference is uh, it's just more flexible, more liquid. Mm -hmm. um, you know, investors could, uh, they, they would receive their shares of ownership in, in tokens, digital tokens that they could actually trade um they could sell uh, to each other to different partners within the same syndicate or outside um they could actually take them to a security token exchange uh, there's a few of those out there uh, t0 is one mm -hmm. um so there there's options to re really get in and out of deals more fluidly whereas uh, today it's it's very difficult to do that you're you're most mostly stuck in during the hold period. I mean, there's ways, but they're, they require, you know, legal uh, maneuvers. So um, it, it just creates more liquidity. Right. For, uh, it's almost like, uh, you know, you, you'd be able to, it, for, for example, right now, things aren't going too well in the economy. So maybe some, some folks want out. It's easier yeah. to get out, you know. Yeah. Yeah, having it fractionalized and tokenized makes it to where the flexibility of getting in and out of your investment is easier, right? Is that correct? So, so that way, because and it's also, uh, I guess, you could say you could also unload part of your investment without having to do the whole thing. Whereas before, you know, if you put a hundred thousand dollars into the syndicate on your investment side, if you were going to sell out, I'm, I mean, I'm sure you could sell a portion of it, but I would think that the tokenization of it would make it much easier. Let's say that that hundred thousand dollars represented you know, a hundred thousand tokens, then you can sell off 50,000 of those if you want to and keep your 50. Is that correct? That yes. Yeah. So and then another thing it does is it allows, uh, you know, a, a lower barrier of entry. So we, we typically do like minimum investments because it gets very cumbersome, uh, a lot of administrative work to have, you know, thousands of investors, right? Right. Um, thousands of K ones and, um, 
you know, uh, keeping track of all of the uh, administrative part. Well, everything on the blockchain is automated. So you, you could lower that barrier of entry to, to folks like, you know, 1,000 minimum or 5,000 minimum compared to 50,000. Right. Yeah. It brings the barrier of entry down much lower for individuals that want to get in that maybe only have 500 or a thousand dollars that they want to play with versus having 50 or a hundred thousand dollars. Correct. So what does the, um, can you explain what the blockchain does in order to give the higher level of security? Like, like why is it so much more uh, beneficial in this, in this setting um, just due to speed and efficiency and security? Well, it's some, it, it, it uses something called smart contracts, uh, and also, uh, it, it's basically a, an immutable ledger, so it, it can't be tampered with. Um, it can't be corrupted. Uh, so it's it's more it's a safer. Um, it's, it's basically safer and more secure, mm -hmm. um, as well as more transparent. So and and it's really I think the blockchain technology itself is what I feel like is gonna start becoming more mainstream. It, it's not, you know, separate Bitcoin from blockchain. Right. They started together, but uh, having a global current, a digital currency might be further away, but having blockchain technology in our lives may be uh, very close to happening. Uh, yeah. I think. Yeah. No, I think it's happening in a lot of sectors already. And well, I mean, you see um, Chase Bank recently, or I'm sorry, Citigroup and Chase is following suit shortly. Um, Citigroup just announced that they have created their own basically internal digital currency to where when you transfer money back and forth between different countries and whatnot. So they've created their own private blockchain um, and they've made the transactions basically instantaneous with less cost. So they're already doing it on the large scale with large investment banks um, moving this because, like you said, it, it offers immutability, it offers security, and it offers speed with lower cost. Um, they don't have so many different, uh, you know, uh, uh, wire transfers and these things that are going back and forth between banks. They can move that stuff pretty much right. instantaneous. And so you see a lot of the big players already kind of putting their, you know, their toe into the, into the ring, so to speak, um, more on the internal side than external yet, because I think they're still kind of testing how it works internally. And then, I mean, the, the federal reserve is already, you know, they have their fed now, which isn't quite blockchain necessarily, but it is a faster transaction between bigger banks and themselves. So we're, we're already there really. Um, it's, it's just a matter of how quickly it impacts, you know, everything else that we do on a day to day basis. Yeah, no. And even just, just simply like it, from the removal of the middleman itself, it can be applied to any, any industry, even the, I've heard of the, the music industries doing it. You can purchase, uh, content straight from the artist without going through a middleman. You can actually order a ride you know, I could say, Hey, I'm going to, I need a ride. I'm going to get it from Mike Mills instead of going through Uber or, uh, and they take part of the profit. It's just really going direct to do business one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, that's the big disruption. That's, that's where, uh, when people talk about it being a disruptive technology, that's why is because the, the, the elimination of the guy in the middle who's, you know, or facilitating the transaction. Um, the music thing's a great example. Um, they are, I don't know if anybody's done it yet. I think there was some smaller artists that have done it, but essentially what they're, uh, they're using NFTs like this to yep. some extent where you're selling your album as an NFT and um, maybe they make a hundred thousand of them or 150,000 or whatever. 
But if that individual then turns around and wants to sell the NFT or the album to somebody else, the original artist who sold it initially also gets paid again. Um, they have it set up to where every time the transaction occurs with the NFT, that's obviously built on the blockchain, that's where it's held, um, that the original creator of that NFT can still earn a percentage every single time that it's sold. So, you know, it's, it's like they're their own record label and they keep getting royalties into perpetuity as the, as their art gets sold. Yeah. See, you, you know about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, like I said, this is a, this is a little side hobby for me that I kind of pay attention to quite a bit. And well, know, even in your industry, you know, the closing statement, all those fees in there. So uh, it, hopefully some of those get, get removed. <laughs> well, the, the place that I think it's, it, it will be the most disruptive, but will probably take a longer time to do it but is the title industry because um when you look at you know what title like title insurance for example you know what title insurance is is you are ensuring that future you know or that the current owner or future owner is not going to have claims against the title you know going forward so it's an insurance policy so if someone says my great-grandfather owned this and they didn't do it right and whatever then the title insurance will pay out to that person for whatever claim they have on your land well, the problem with that is a couple of things. Number one is the the uh, insurance itself, the the default, or I should say, the claims that happen on title premiums is is relatively low as it is. And I say relatively because I don't have exact numbers, and I'm sure one of my title buddies will be like, "That's not right." But um, you know, there is a certain amount of claims. It doesn't have much to do with past. You know, it's more about encroachments typically and things of that nature. But um, but the premiums are set by the state of Texas. So in, in Texas, the, the state sets what the premium is. So as a buyer or seller, there isn't like, an, you know, I can't pick a different, you know, I can pick a different title company that may charge a $250 fee versus a $300 fee or something like that. But I can't pick a different insurance carrier because it's set by the state. Well, the state gets their premiums or sets the premiums based off of what the big four title, you know, providers tell them that it costs to run their business. Okay, so they're basically setting the premium based off the industry that's collecting the premium, not because of the claims, right? They're not they're not creating the insurance policy based on claims. They're creating it based off of what it costs to run a title company, which is odd in and of itself. So so then imagine a world where, say, like a builder, say, DR, a DR Horton. They go in and every house that they build from here into perpetuity, they put on the blockchain. They put you know, who built it, who the plumber was, how much they paid for wood, how much they paid for the plumbing material, whatever. It's all recorded on the blockchain. Well, then they sell that house to the first owner. And um, there's obviously, you know, they still have to make a title policy, which is, again, is it's strange because it's the first house. But either way, um, you have the first house. Well, then the next buyer comes along, they purchase the house. Well, if it's recorded on the blockchain, then there is no doubt the chain of title. It, it's, there's, you know, because the old school, which is even better now, you know, you have to go through and sift through the every county record and go through all the old papers yeah. that they filed in 1812 and make sure it's right. You know, even these days, it's way more digital than that. But um, if everything's recorded on the blockchain and if every single transaction that occurs on that property has been recorded and has not been changed and is easily accessible um, through transparency of that chain, then why do you need insurance for it? Touche. You know, so um, now that's that's easy for me to say. It's a whole other thing for the, uh, you know, the regulatory bodies that be to allow that type of stuff. But the, these are the kind of things that 
impact real estate that we'll have because when you're t- real estate's very transactional. I mean, as you know, it's it's all contracts and 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 uh, uh, you know lending and money changing hands. Well, that's the area that blockchain has the biggest impact right now. And so to say that it isn't going to bleed over and have you know a, a significant change in our industry over the next you know 10 to 15 years is kind of naive i think it will be it will be significant it's just the hurdles that we that we run into just like you do i'm sure to some degree in multifamily investing just all comes with regulation yeah and i think texas is going to be leading that yes um yeah lee over at uh, the blockchain council is certainly um you know he's he's driving the ship on that and you know great to have them you know kind of making texas at the forefront of that so um so when it comes to actually so if i was an investor and i wanted to actually purchase a token let's call it or, or a set of tokens or whatever how does that process what does that process look like right now so really it would be very similar to what it is now so they would uh you know if they're interested they would subscribe in a, a portal um, and then, you know, sign a subscription document and then, uh, they would receive their shares, uh, which is just in the form of a piece of paper right? currently. Um, and then, you know, the only difference is they would, they would get a wallet and, uh, there, they would get their, their shares in the form of tokens into the wallet. And then they would have the option to, um, you know, sell, uh, buy or sell those within the syndicate, um, or you know, with within other uh, syndicates that are in that same portal, um, or they could go outside to a third-party exchange. Now, the, that that probably wouldn't be a phase one. Uh, the the third-party exchange because uh, yeah. you'd have to register those on the exchange. And I think right now those exchanges aren't very heavily. There's not a lot of traffic. Right. So it may take a few years for that aspect. Um, but you know just just the fact of being able to sell to other investors you know um would be like the the initial um uh the initial ability have you uh, are you familiar with lofty do you know what lofty is i am not okay so it's I, a it's a um it's i guess you would call it an exchange or a marketplace for now i don't know because it's been a minute since i've been on the site but it is a uh um they have tokenized real estate there primarily it's residential and you can buy tokens or sell tokens there and there's you know the last time i looked there was probably 200 250 properties that they had listed now there's multiple sites lofty's not the only one there's a couple other ones that i've seen um but they are exchanges that have multiple properties listed uh that you can go in and purchase and buy a token or sell it or or whatever now it's just within their own little you know, little, little market sphere there, but have you looked at getting, getting your tokens on other exchanges like that to where someone that doesn't know about your particular project could have access to it? That that's what we would focus on, like as a next step. Gotcha. Um, you know, I think the first step would be just getting it, getting it out there. Um, just, just so we can start it. Um, and, and otherwise it would take longer for the initial launch, uh, right. to factor all that in. So, I think we'd want to, you know, this, and this is my partner's, uh, uh, you know, venture. So yeah, I think he would want to pilot it first next year and then maybe add that feature in the following year. Do you see a lot of other, or are you experiencing here in Texas, a lot of other, um, entities or groups or syndicates or whatever getting into the fractalization? Are you one of the only ones that you're aware of? Like, do y'all, do you guys, you know, get together and be like, how are we going to figure this out? Well, it's, it's the two of us so far that, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not very mainstream yet in the, in the multifamily space. So, 
um, we're one of the two that um, are are focused on that. Yeah. So uh, that, so yeah, we we like to. There's be not the a whole lot of buddies out there that are, that are dealing <laughs> the same dealing right. with the same. And stuff. now you 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 can be the third. Yeah. <laughs> have you uh, have you talked to any of your other multifamily syndicate? Because I know you know you guys all network to some extent and around each other. Do y'all, are you, are you trying to get them involved in this a little bit more or your partner for that matter? Of course. Uh, yeah. I think it might take a little, a little longer. Uh, but you know, I, I planted the seeds. The what seeds are you running into? Like, what are the, uh, what are the challenges that you're running into and in dealing with them on, on the acceptance of it? I think just, just like anything, you know, you, uh, you want to see that it's working first before you, you jump in. Most right. People. Right. So, uh, yeah, unless you're you're a pioneer or a trailblazer, right? You want know, to you want to you want to uh, see someone else do it first. <laughs> yes, yeah. It's, it's hard being the only one out there doing it. Sometimes yeah. it's, a, it's not an easy thing to do. But um, are you so okay? If you were to if someone were to ask you, okay, what what is my risk in something like this? What would you how would you answer that question? You know, and I'm sure it's related directly to what all risks are in multifamily, which you can of course expound on. But specifically with the fractionalization part of it, what would you say the risks are involved? I mean, I, I wouldn't think the risk is any different than uh, the way you invest now. Uh, right. it's, just, it's just a different way of handling it. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it's, it's the risk stays the same. What, so what what's a typical risk when you're looking at doing any multifamily investing? It's just just the, just like any investment, you know, yeah. you, uh, you know the risk is you know you may not recover all your investment or or portion a portion of it. Right. Um, so that's why you know you want to. Um, that's why I think real estate is is a safer place uh, than some you know, some of stock exchange, right? Yes. All over the place, but um, you know if you can find a market that's got current growth and uh, projected growth and um, you're in assets that are stable and and in good neighborhoods um, you know it's it's a safer it's less risk do you think you run into a little bit of the the stigma that comes with anything related to if you call it a coin or crypto or anything because um, you know I don't know this is something I run into when I talk to people about this topic, not fractionalization per se, but blockchain and cryptos in general is, you know, more often than not, when you're talking about a cryptocurrency, the vast majority of them, you're kind of talking about like a stock in a company, essentially, because a company has created a white paper, they've created a coin for some sort of platform that they're, whether it be smart contracts or oracles, I mean, obviously, there are some out there that are trying to be currencies, but, uh, but for the most part, it's some sort of application that applies to the web three world in one way or another. So you're kind of buying a, a stock in that company that's creating this technology or this particular technology. Um, the issue with that a lot of times is that they're not backed by anything. They're backed by ideas. They're backed by, you know, a little bit of private investment on whatever software they're developing that's going to, you know, sit on top of, you know, the Ethereum network or whatever you want to call it. Like, you know, they're creating something, but the the thing that's backing it isn't anything other than an idea, I guess you would say, in a lot of ways. Now, we're not talking about stable coins necessarily or, you know, even, um, but even Bitcoin. I mean, Bitcoin's not backed by anything it's backed by the people and the network it's you know it's basically because it's secure and because there's a lot of people on the network that's where the value comes from mm -hmm. you know even even the fiat currency the dollar that we use you know the the dollar isn't backed by anything either it's backed by the uh what do they call it? what's what's the way that they say it the the full power and and you know 
American people and government. I don't know. There's like a, there, I, I don't know where it is. There's like a statement, you know, it's backed by the full power of the U S government. So in other words, our military. So if you don't like the dollar, then we'll come, come get you. So, um, but when you're talking about fractionalization of the ty type of thing that you're doing, those tokens are actually backed by something. They're backed by a real asset and a right. real thing that has value versus just a, an, an idea or a concept. Right. Right. You know, that, and that's the whole, that's the whole idea. Um, so that, you know, it, we've seen it many times where, you know, these things, they go all the way up and then they drop to zero. Right. And then, uh, so we're trying to come up, come up. How do you prevent that? Right. Um, how do you increase confidence? Um, cause you know, to your point, um, investing in these things, yes. Yeah, like, uh, buying stock in a company, uh, but, but it's not really backed by anything. Right. To me, it reminds me of uh, if you invested in the dot-com boom back in the 90s. Yep. You know, uh, the, all those search engines and browsers uh, that kind of fell off, but some of them made it, right? Yes. So you got to pick the right one. Yeah, you got to pick the right horse and try to stick with them till they get to the end. But in this case, with the real estate again, it you, you I mean, don't get me wrong, you know, real estate can go down in value, of course, and there can be some loss or whatever, but there's there's still a tangible thing that holds value that's backing this coin that you're buying when you're buying into something that's fractionalized. Because in whenever you're purchasing the coin on your chain, if something happens, you know, at the end of the day, you're gonna sell the property at some point if even if it tanks right? Let's say the market goes, then you still have the ability because anything's for sale at the right price, right? So it's never, you know, it's kind of the joke in real estate is, is if your house isn't selling, it's because it's not priced right. There's nothing else. It's, it's the price. <laughs> like, it, you know, oh, we need to put up these, do redo the flooring. We need, no, no, none of that. You need, your price is wrong. Now, if you want, if you want to do all that stuff to make it seem like it matches the price that you're set on, sure. fine. But either way, you're pricing it incorrectly. Um, so there's always inherent loss or inherent risk in anything that we do, but with real estate specifically, even if things go poorly, that property can still be sold, even if it's less than what it was acquired for, which is rare, but, um, but you still can. So, so that tangible asset, that token that you have, because it's tied to your asset, it's much, much safer than anything else that you would consider generally consider to be some type of a cryptocurrency, correct? Right. And that's, that's the idea. And, that, and that's why we're waiting on, on that to be ready. Um, especially in this market now, now, if this were 2021, maybe we would have tried to launch it, uh, uh, for, you know, without that ready yet, as yeah. but I think, uh, I don't think that would fly right now. <laughs> no, no, it's a little, it's a little bumpy, but I do think that, you know, what you're offering to people is the ability to get into real estate at a low price point. And that's the thing that has always been a big, you know, hindrance for folks. Now, granted, this isn't be clear. This isn't a primary residence that you can't live, you know, yourself. This is for investment purposes, but, but even, you know, like I said, in the very beginning, you know, one of the things that Robinhood did was they took stock investing or investing in the market and they made it and brought it more to a greater mass because, they have individuals that maybe want to invest $25 or $5 or $100 or whatever the case may be, but the cost of one stock in Apple is 350 bucks or whatever it was, right? So if I don't have or want to invest $350 and I want to invest 100, but I want to invest in three different things, well, the fractionalization of those stocks essentially, because that's what they did, um, made it to where, you know, the, the, the average investor who didn't, you know, or the, 
look, the street investor who, who wasn't a part of Wall Street and didn't have really deep pockets could still get involved. And what I think fractionalization of real estate assets does is it creates an entry an entry point for someone who doesn't have $100,000 to invest in a syndicate. Right. Right. Exactly. And, you know, I think uh, if, if it works maybe the same way as, you know, how Trump raises money, if everyone pushes in $1. That's right. You, you reach millions of more people. Yep. Millions of dollars. <laughs> What's your entry point right now? Because I know you guys are starting this out and this isn't, you know, like I said, you're the first ones to do this kind of in the area. Um, what What is kind of the entry point that you have right now on the tokens? So we have we haven't decided yet, but uh, the the current one is, uh, without the tokens is about fifty thousand. Okay, have you come up with an idea of where you would like to target the fractionalized piece of it? I think maybe a thousand. Okay, okay. And when you've gone to the different groups, your investors, because you normally hold to to talk to the other multi, what's what's kind of been the feedback from those guys? Or, you know, because I know they're used to investing at a certain level, and you're trying to change the game a little bit. So what what is the response to the feedback been from them well it's always you, you, the the theme is you want to start higher and uh, squeeze what you can and then and then lower it as you go right <laughs> uh, if you start low you're gonna get just lower investment. right <laughs> you you, you want to be able to well i would sure the the lower the investment amount comes with its own set of headaches too right because <laughs> they want to know you know if you have someone putting 50 or a hundred thousand, they've probably played the game a little bit before, and this isn't right. their first rodeo. So, um, it comes with a little bit more seasoned investor, right? Right. What, what's the, um, I, I, and I've talked to a couple people about this before, but there's a, uh, what's the word it's certified investor or credited. credited. Okay. So explain that. Right. Uh, so I think the, the SEC definition is currently something like, uh, if you're, if your net worth's over a million, not including your, your residence, um, and, or your net, you know, annual income is two to 300 a year or something like that. Uh, you can, uh, be certified as an accredited investor. Um, so it's, it's just, I think it's there to protect folks who, um, you know, uh, it's, it's, you know, so you can, you can market for, for the accredited, you can market like on social media and right. publicly and for, for, um, sophisticated investors, you know, it, it's more like you need to have a pre-existing relationship and gotcha. right. So you get taken advantage of, right. Yeah. It's, it's a little bit of protection for the investors, but also protection for, uh, the, you know, the ones that are being invested in, I guess. Sure. Right. Yeah, it, it, it offers a little bit of both protection on both sides. Um, I know you got to get out of here in just a second. So um, before we go, though, what are a couple of do you have any any resources that you would recommend people go look at to see to find out more about kind of how this all works and get a little bit more educated? Because, again, this isn't something that is incredibly mainstream. Um, it, you know, really at all in our world yet. There are a few places that are piloting this. Um, you've seen some in residential, you're seeing it more and more in commercial. Um, is there any places that you feel like um, that people could go to kind of find out more? Yeah, well, and I didn't have it ready, but I can uh, uh, send it uh, here shortly, but I link to my website. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'll actually be at the, uh, we mentioned Texas Blockchain Council. There's the North American Blockchain Summit in November. Yep. So I'll be exhibiting there. Okay. Uh, if you want to swing by and uh, chat. 
Yes. I'll be there. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to make it. I'm uh, I'm trying to get my ticket and get over there. I got a, I got children and things. I got to make sure I can get it in the schedule. But yes, it's definitely something I plan on being at. Um, no, it's, it, you know, this whole thing is, again, the, the mainstream level of adoption is low right now, but it is slowly moving in that direction. And I really do feel like that the more people understand it, and that's what I'm trying to do is I'm just trying to bring awareness and attention to it because I do think that it's something that is is headed in the right direction. And it has a lot of great benefits that once people get more educated on it and understand it a little bit better, then I think you'll start to see more and more adoption of it. And having people like you that are out there, you know, talking to investors on a day-to-day basis and saying, hey, look, here's what we're trying to put together. Here's what we're creating and trying to create a buzz around that really kind of brings, you know, uh, more and more people into the fold. And the more people that you have familiar with how it works and the more people that are, you know, kind of advocates for the technology, I think you're going to see a greater level of adoption that comes. It's just a slow moving process. It doesn't, you know, it's not something that, that, uh, happens overnight, especially when it's something that people aren't familiar with and they don't necessarily have all the warm fuzzies about, cause it doesn't make sense. They're like, what do you mean? It's just, it's just a, uh, you know, it's like the NFT thing. Well, I can take a picture of the Mona Lisa with my phone. It's like, okay, well, it's not the same thing. But, you know, there's a certain level of understanding that comes with it. And you guys out there trying to, you and your partner, educating investors so they can be a little bit more well-versed and all the opportunities that are available, I think is a is a big, you know, a big help for just the blockchain world as a whole, the Web3, crypto, whatever you want to call it, um, however you want to describe it. But um, what you're doing is certainly something that nobody else is doing and I think is a big benefit, you know, to kind of help drive the technology forward. Yeah. And, and one one comment on the NFTs that reminds me of baseball cards. Remember those? You, yes. You, you you pay a lot of money for that one rookie card, right? Uh-huh. So it's, it's kind of similar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, the thing that people lose on NFTs is just, you know, um, and, and I've had these conversations before, too, as well. But, you know, it's like it's it's a ownership you know, it's a, it's a deed of some sort of what do you, it's the deed of that car, the deed of this thing, it's ownership of something. And it's one of one, because when it's recorded that way, you can't duplicate it or fabricate it or whatever, you know, even with art, right. It happens in art all the time, real art, not NFT art where, you know, Picasso paints his painting and it's there, but then someone comes along and fakes it and forges it. And so now how do you tell the difference between what's the real, Picasso and which one is the forged Picasso? Because there was no, there's no way to tell unless you can identify the style. But when you talk about blockchain and NFTs, well, now you have a way to tell. Right. Now you can tell what the original was because it was recorded that way, and there's no, there's no faking it. Yep. So it's just a, it's a whole new world, and and I really do hope that you know more and more people get on the bandwagon. But uh, you know, it's going to take time, and it's going to take more conversations like this uh, for people to realize you know what the opportunities are and. For the, it's really a benefit for the small guy. Whether people realize it or not, we're talking about fifty, hundred thousand dollar investments. But really and truly, when you get to the end game, it's so the everyday investor can have the opportunity to put money into something that can grow for them over time, which otherwise was a barrier before because they didn't have a hundred thousand dollars. And you guys are leading the way, so I really appreciate it, Joe. Yeah, man, you're helping. So keep doing these. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying as much as I can. So, uh, you know, we got to got to keep pushing, pushing in that direction. I think my industry is going to be affected by it, too, one day. So hopefully, hopefully I'll I'll be at the front of that one. I don't right. know. We'll see. So. All right, guys. Well, thanks for sticking around with us. Um, Joe's got to get to an appointment. So I appreciate everybody that hung in and uh, we will see you back next week. Thanks, Joe. Thanks.